GM, GM, everybody. Welcome to the Sulfate Podcast, where we talk to founders and builders in the Solana ecosystem. Welcome to the episode. We had a good one today. Talked to uh, Sean Young, the mastermind behind the Solang compiler that lets you uh, develop smart contracts on Solana using Solidity. It's a pretty sick conversation, right? Yeah, it was a really great episode. Sean is, he works at Solana Labs and he's been working on a Solidity compiler to actually take Solidity code and deploy it on the Solana blockchain as just programs and smart contracts. Uh, super interesting episode. It, uh, full disclosure, it is pretty technical. Uh, Sean is a, is the compiler engineer behind the project. And uh, so there's a lot of acronyms and, and words that are pretty uncommon for, for a lot of people. So we'll have uh, you know some descriptions and definitions in the show notes to help everybody along. But super interesting episode, just how how Sean and his team are able to take Solidity code and actually make it work on Solana is, is I think, fascinating. It's, it's pretty awesome. So even if you're not super technical, I think you'll find this conversation fascinating. Uh, I, I certainly did. It's, yeah. you know, and, and Sean, this is not a recent thing for Sean. Like, it's, it's been years in the making just to, you know, get this compiler working for Solana, but he's actually been working on Solidity-specific compiler stuff for years even before that right so before he yeah. got into the long, ecosystem. Long time in the so he's sure. he's got he's got you know i think it was like six years or close to it of, of experience like specifically with the solidity language and um trying to create a compiler for it that is would take it beyond just evm uh which which is super sweet uh we also had a great conversation about you know, what are the differences in developer experience between EVM and Solana? What are the things that a, a traditional Solidity developer sort of needs to get familiar with with Solana in order to port a contract from EVM over to the Solana VM? Really fascinating stuff. I, you know, I I think everyone's going to love this episode, but definitely if, if you're a developer, if you're pretty technical, you know, I think this is, I think this is an awesome one for, for everyone. Yeah, it's super great. Let's let's go ahead and just dive right in. Let's go. But I can't imagine that crypto feels a little bit more exciting than like a, a, a massive company uh, like IBM. What got what got you into crypto in the first place? Um, I, actually, it was it was one of my friends. Um, I was over just just hang and have some drinks, and he um, he had a printout of the uh, EVM yellow paper. He put it in front of me and said. This is exciting. This is this is this is cool. So I, I read that, and then I discovered that it wasn't just EVM which is exciting. There's much more that's exciting about crypto. <laughs> um, and um, from that, I was I was working at IBM, and then I, I thought, well, uh, best way to get into crypto is um, is to work for a startup and get get to know that. So I um, I left IBM. I started working for a, a small little startup that was doing, uh, they were doing uh, legal contracts on chain. They had their own uh, uh, blockchain, permission blockchain they were writing, which based on EVM. And um, the idea was to have companies uh, manage their contracts on chain and then have uh, different parties do transactions on chain to to represent the, the state of the legal contracts. Uh, it was all a really good idea, but um, convincing companies to do their legal stuff um, with some startup software turned out, turned out to be quite a hard sell. Um, so that didn't really go anywhere, unfortunately. 
the company Monarchs did move on to uh, NFTs and doing other stuff now. Uh, but I was I was working on um, their EVM virtual machine and various other bits and bobs of, of their, their their chain. And um, also we're writing some code and solidity as well. And there I, I, I kind of realized that there's lots of things you could add to solidity, but it was kind of hard to do because it, it was maintained by, by the Ethereum Foundation and they didn't want to add any features that didn't didn't exist on Ethereum. We had I had various issues open and, and conversations about adding features and they really weren't going to go anywhere. Um, and of course, that's what they, that's what they want. They, they want to write a, um, a compiler for for Ethereum. Um, we wanted to do things like access documents and directly from Solidity. And that was far too big of a feature to add to, to, to the sort of C compiler and would never be accepted upstream. So I saw the You're saying that your your company and you you were trying to add features within the Solidity programming language that the Ethereum virtual machine didn't support. Yes, is that, exactly. is that what you're saying? And the Ethereum Foundation said basically said we don't want to add that to EVM, so please leave it alone, kind of deal. Yes, yeah. So well, okay. their view was well, if you want to add a feature, you have to go through EIP process uh, and so on. And um, well, we we were like a little side chain, so there's no chance of, of of doing doing all of that. Um, so we started looking at the, at the compiler and, and seeing how we could add features. And um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't so impressed by the way it was written. A lot of things were hand handwritten, like the parser was handwritten, where you normally use a, a grammar and have a generated parser. Uh, it didn't use LLVM in any way, shape, or form. So they had their own optimizations. So f- from that, I I thought, well, why not write a new compiler from scratch? And then I first thought, well, that would take me about a year if I did work on that full time. And um, I started by, on a literally a rainy Sunday, writing a, a, a proof of concept, something that could parse a, a, a tiny bit of solidity and then compile it and then run it on. Um, well, I compiled it to Wasm because that was easier. And then wrote a Wasm virtual machine in, in the side chain I was working on. And um, yeah, it, it worked. It was, it was. It could only compile a very simple contract that could add two numbers and then return the result. But it did a trick. Um, and um, yeah, from that I thought, well, there must be. So the company I was working for wasn't interested in investing money in that. So I thought there must be other companies who are kind of in the same situation as this. Um, who want to add features to Solidity, but don't want to be constrained by what the EVM can do right now. And um, I wrote um, a few grant proposals. Uh, one of the grant proposals I, I wrote was for the Ethereum Foundation saying, hey, do you want do you want a new compiler written in Rust that uses LLVM? And um, um, yeah, that was a hard no, because they said didn't, <laughs> they didn't want competition. In retrospect, I'm not sure why I why I applied, and uh, uh, I eventually got got a, a grant at um, Web Three um, uh, to build a compiler, Solidity compiler for, um, for 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 Polkadot, which compiled to Wasm, and I worked on that for a year, 
and from that I, I kind of in that year I did bit I did build out most of the compiler. Uh, it was missing sort of features, but for, for majority of contracts it would work. And then the the, the grant came to an end, and um, I, I didn't know what to do next. So I started looking out for for, for other chains, and I came across Solana, and um, it's really sort of an accident I came across it. Was just googling something. I hadn't really paid much attention to it, and then I I, I started to realise that the way they'd done um, their chain was was really interesting and quite novel. I'm um, in my spare time. I'm a Linux kernel maintainer, and I'm, I was really interested in the BPF. Uh, Just casually in your spare time. <laughs> yes, well, I was a maintainer for like a really. I'm really. I'm a maintainer for a, a really small subsystem for infrared. It's just kind of like not that many patches come in. This is quite low traffic. Um, I, from that, I learned about BPF, and I thought BPF was like it's it's um, really efficient way of doing things. So when I was looking at Solana, I thought, oh, they're using BPF. That's amazing. And then I started learning about the consensus protocol. And I thought, wow, this is, this is so much better. Um, when I was um, running my test suite on Polkadot, just my test suite, if I run that in parallel, it would, um, even though I was running a Polkadot node locally, it couldn't cope with all the tests run concurrently. Um, and that's just on my laptop. And I thought, no, it, I had to... Um, I had to remove my um, parallel option from my Mocha test, um, otherwise it would just wouldn't work. Um, so I was looking at uh, at Solana and I thought, well, th this this is a much better design. This should be able to deal with with uh, running things in parallel. And if you if you want to build a a chain which is can support thousands of transactions, this is the way to do it. To me, the idea of, of scaling by um, parity didn't quite seem the right solution. Um, so, um, so I, I applied for a grant at Solana. I got that. And then halfway through my grant, five months or six months in or so, um, I got an email from Anatoly and said, um, hey, do you want to come join Solana, Solana Labs? And um, by this time, I, I, I um, yeah, I, I seen how the technology works. Um, I chatted with various people and I, I, yeah, I jumped at the opportunity. It was, it was great. And it's been great ever since. Amazing. That, um, That's super cool. Yeah. You, you clearly have a, a very, a very technical background that, that sort of not all developers have, right. There's sort of a, a range, uh, amongst developers of, of whether you're working on higher level systems or lower level systems or, um, et cetera. And, and, you very clearly, you know, have have a, a low level understanding of of how things work that I think will be fascinating to to a lot of listeners. It at the very least is is fascinating to me. I me I would I would love to dig in a little bit more and and sort of I I, th I think maybe there's three things if if I had to to say you know what it is that I'd like to talk about and happy to happy to let the conversation sort of steer itself, but I we'll call these out. Uh, I'd love to, to just maybe have a, a, a quick general chat about compare and contrast between Solana and, and EVM. Um, that can be somewhat brief, just, just to sort of set up the, the background and context for a discussion, you know, more about Solang specifically, 
Um, but I, I would love to sort of talk about Solang from, from two different perspectives. One perspective being um, if you're already a Solana developer um, or interested in becoming a Solana developer, what can Solang you know, do, do for you? How do you get started there? Um, and then the other sort of perspective, maybe even more important perspective is if you're a Solidity developer, if you've been developing smart contracts with Solidity for some EVM compatible chain, you know, what does it take to, to move over to, you know, move a contract over to Solana? Why, why would you do that? What are the advantages there? That, that sort of thing. So if you are a Solana developer, um, then you would be, you'd be writing your, your contracts in, in, in Rust. And so, so Lang simply allows you to write your contracts in Solidity. Uh, that, that's, that's really the, the, the difference, just, just the language. Um, uh, there's, um, you can, at the moment, you, um, you can do everything in Rust and we're working towards feature parity with Rust. There's, there's, there's a few areas where we're still improving on. How, how far off would you say feature parity between, you know, Solidity and Rust for Solana development is? Yeah. So we're, I've actually this week been working on a long-term plan. And uh, so the, the long-term vision is, is um, you can write contracts on Solana in Rust or in Solidity, whatever sort of, uh, you, you would like. And we want developers to have a, um, a good experience writing Solidity and, and be able to do everything you can do in Solidity, which you can do in Rust. Um, Rust comes with a whole bunch of great tools and, and Solidity, um, Solang, we have the compiler right now, but we need we need more. The, the, the um, anchor tooling needs a bit of polish. There are various features which you can't do in Solidity yet, or you can do, but but there are the manuals. If you if you want to call another contract, um, if you have an IDL, then um, then um, you can you can you can uh, make a call ac across to another contract. Um, from based on on how the IDL uh, describes the, the the other contract, but instead of the, you don't have a feature like um, option, for example. Uh, so an option is, is something which is present and then it has a value or it's not present, and that simply doesn't exist in the language. So we're we're going to have to add that to the language. Um, why why do you think? Um, why do you think that is that that the Solidity language doesn't have that sort of uh, you know basic um, basic type, right? I I I personally, uh, you know, I, I spent a couple of years doing um, some contract development uh, on EVM chains in Solidity, and and uh, it it in many ways is is a, is a great language, and in many ways it it's somewhat primitive. And I'm I'm curious from your perspective, why why do you think that is why do you think it's missing those those sorts of features? Yes, why? why is it? I think the, the language is um, has sort of grown organically, and it just never really got added. Um, I think it. um, it's a language which is is, is vaguely based on C plus plus JavaScript, maybe, um, but its features are, are very limited. So one of the things I was quite keen on adding myself was. Um, if you're if you're writing a contract in Solidity and you're trying to debug it, 
then often just um, if you're writing in, in C or in Rust or so, you just do a println just to find out what the value is at a particular point. And in, in Solidity, you'd have to emit an event or so to, to get some information out of it. Um, but um, on Solana, there's a program log, which you don't have on EVM. So with Solang, you can just do uh, print and then you can have a string and, and some, some variables and you can instantly see what the values are at that point. Um, to me, it, it seems like that's, that's kind of a, a feature you want in any language is, is a basic a basic print. Why it doesn't exist in Solidity, I don't know. To be honest. Yes, especially for debugging, like being able to print out arbitrary data is is so useful for every developer. That's that's like ninety percent of developers. That's like eighty percent of their debugging experience is like, hey, here's a value, print this value. Like, is it what I thought it would be? Yeah, has has the Solidity language? Do you feel like the Solidity language has just kind of taken a back seat? to you know other other advances and things that you know ethereum foundation and the, and the ethereum community want to work on is it just like a it's good enough for what we are trying to work on here i think there is there is partly there is a um, it's good enough but i also think there's a um uh, that's kind of an adverse if ethereum community had there's a there's a real aversion to to change um, mm. um, the, the EVM is a, a um, deterministic distributed virtual machine, so it's it's not a it has a lot of limitations that you wouldn't have in if you're just developing for your for your local machine. So there are reasons why why a lot of things aren't present, like file access or so, because that doesn't make sense in the, on on a blockchain. So it, it is a simply uh, a limited environment. But still, yeah, you want just like options and print, I'd, I'd say. I mean, a lot of languages don't have the option. Like JavaScript has been around for, JavaScript and ECMAScript have been around for a long time now, and they still don't even have an option. They have the, the primitive values that you can build an option yourself, but it, it's still not really there built into the language. And like, I don't think PHP has an option either. Um JavaScript yes, is also all, like a all languages should have an option. It is a phenomenal <laughs> data type. Phenomenal. Well, well, I was just saying, like, like Java, JavaScript is is like an untyped dynamic language. So I, I don't I don't know that that um, it's not that the comparison is invalid, right? But but Solidity is sort of this statically typed, um, y- you know, it's language where I would expect it to have features similar to other more modern statically typed languages yes by writing our own compiler we're, we're, we're kind of free to expand the language as as, as we want so that, yeah. that's an, um, another thing so that's one of the questions i kind of have i, I since very few people like have a, a strong understanding of how compiler engineering works and in, in what all that encompasses so i, I want to kind of go down this path a little bit of a, what does it mean to like be writing a compiler? And, and you said you made some comments about adding some features to Solidity as a language. Is this a, is, does the Solang project now need to maintain a new version of Solidity as a language, like a forked version, and then, you know, handle versioning as, as new features get added? Or is it purely handled within the compiler at build time or at compile time rather, where it's 
all of these features that the Solang compiler accepts for the Solidity language, it can the compiler handles everything, and you don't have to really touch. You don't have to like modify Solidity as a base base language. It's all built into the into the compiler, so we we have to change the compiler in order to add new features. Um, so you asked how how a compiler is built, and um, well, when, when I studied compilers at, at university, it, it, I was I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I knew that that was the direction I wanted to go into. Um, so first, you, you you pass the source code, and then you get what's called a, a parse tree, and it it really is a, a a tree where you get a list of all the functions in the file, and each function you have the parameters and the return values, and then list of statements inside and the statements can be nested so if you have an if statement then inside an if if statement you may have a then or an else and that's this this would be similar to like the rust abstract syntax tree that you use when writing macros yes yes absolutely very very similar yes yes that, that that's exactly the same thing so you, you have to so you first get the parse tree and then you need to kind of validate that this is valid solidity so all the variable names need to be resolved. Um, so you have all your, uh, whenever you use a variable, you need to make sure um, that, it's, that, it, that it exists and it refers to the right thing. So you can create a simple table for that. And then you have a, a fully resolved um, tree. Um, and now once you have that, um, and no, there were no errors in the code, then you go to the next stages. And the next stage is you, you um, convert to what's called a control flow graph, where you um, you, you re reduce the code down into instructions of do this, do that, um, you know, um, and it, um, so this, this this becomes more and more low level at at each stage. So this is um, setting variable names, uh, calling Solana system functions, or so, um, um, returning exiting if there's an error. Um, so when you type some Solidity code or some Rust code, then when it's compiled, it, it, it will may consist of a lot more instructions. Um, but once we have that, we, we can we can pa pass it on to LLVM. And LLVM is, is, is kind of a, feels like a quite a magical uh, project. You give it, you give it some, um, Yes, uh, um, format of code, and then it, 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 um, yeah, it, 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 it does all these great optimizations, and then produces a, um, um, a binary for you. So a lot of the the really tricky stuff is is done for us, which um, is really great because we can we can focus on the front end, on the parsing and 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 the design of the language, um, and giving sort of useful error messages when um, when source code isn't isn't quite right um all the magic happens in llvm really at, at what point um does at what point does does it start being supported by the solana virtual machine so um is, is anything llvm compatible compatible with solana or like like at, like at what point are you tying in to make the solidity that you've parsed compatible with Solana's architecture. So um, we, we, we parse it, we, we create this control flow graph, and then we um, 
converted to L, what's called LVM IR. Um, and then LLVM, the LLVM libraries were converted to um, SPF or BPF instructions. And only then is it something which can be run on the, on the virtual machine. Got it. So it's the, it's the BPF instructions that um, Solana supports. So, so basically any language, if you can get it to, you know, LLVM and then to BPF, you could theoretically, you know, deploy, deploy that thing on, on Solana. Yes, absolutely. So there's another project going on in Solana where um, they're trying to uh, compile move to move programming language to, to Solana. And that has to sit pretty much the same approach. So you, um, you pass move, uh, and you create LLVM IR, and and then you pass the LLVM to, to create the BPF instructions for you. And yeah, that's that that's it. The the uh, LLVM libraries that have been uh, have really changed the landscape of compilers. There are so many more compilers around because the, the LLVM toolkit allows you to uh, do so much. Yeah, do so much. Absolutely. What so then uh, with with for language expansion? I'm going to jump in, James. For language expansion for other languages at being being supported within the Solana ecosystem. Because like you said, there's someone working on Move. There's another team that's working on a Zig compiler. Like you're working on Solidity. And from my understanding from a, a separate conversation I've had with a different compiler engineer, um, anything that basically like James is saying is is if the, if the code can, can be compiled down to LLVM compatible code, that can then basically be pipelined into like the default, we'll call it the, the native Solana compiler, for lack of better phrasing. Um, it takes that LLVM code, converts it to BPF or SBF code, and then that is what the Solana virtual machine actually can understand and interpret. So as long as we, so like everything that com can compile down to LLVM can then just go through the normal, effectively the way that Rust gets compiled into um, Solana code on the Solana blockchain is is that is that correct? Is that is that the understanding? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, JavaScript or TypeScript is is a little bit hard to to do that because it's it's um, dynamically typed and LLVM IR is statically typed. Mm -hmm. um, but there is something called assembly script, which is like TypeScript but with static types. And hmm. um, one of the things I've heard of this before. Yeah, one of the things that I've been looking forward to, but Life's too short. You can only do one thing at a time. Is uh, <laughs> um, compiling assembly script to to, to Solana. Um, so I'm hoping someone will work on that uh, one day. Is um, interesting. Okay. So I'm I'm curious if a if a language already uses if a language's existing compiler already uses LLVM, then the starting point for making this language compatible with Solana is much different than say what you're doing with solidity where the sort of the you're just creating an entirely separate compiler rather than branching off at a certain stage from the existing compiler yes right? so, yes so the so, sorry yeah. so how well, well so there's kind of a follow-on there which is uh it seems that what what solang is doing with solidity is, is maybe somewhat tricky from a from like a uh versioning and maintainability standpoint where you basically just have two entirely separate branches of of the solidity language right there's sort of the official solidity 
um, that's maintained by the the Ethereum Foundation, and then there's the Solang compiler, which is which is an entirely separate branch. How what's the plan for keeping those in sync, compatible with each other, or or do we are we not too concerned about that? Well, I mean, Sean did say that Solidity as a language doesn't really get new features added to it. <laughs> that, well, that's well, that's kind of my that makes maintainability right? a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Yes, the fact that that it, it moves slowly, it's been a huge advantage to us. Um, so um, the the um, Solidity Ethereum Solidity compiler has a um, has a very large test suite, and we run the same test suite on our on our compiler. Um, and yeah, there are still some issues, so we're working on those, but they're all, they're all sort of strange edge cases. Um, that when once you run to those test suites and you can start getting bug reports, you discover that, um, yeah, so sort of, there's all sort of weird edge cases. Like if you have a bytes type, you can initialize it with the value just with a literal zero, you don't need a um, you don't need a hex string or so. So any type can it can be initialized or can be set to the value zero, um, including strings. But if you if you do one, then it's not allowed. So there's there's some there's some strange edge ed cases. Um, having said all that, the, the there are um, we're not entirely compatible with with um, source C, the Ethereum compiler, because well, Solana is is a very different blockchain. It, it, it's um, it has a very different virtual machine, which is is designed from the ground up about uh, for for parallelism and for speed. Um, so there are differences we have to make in the language. Yeah. So well, yeah. So the goal wouldn't be for Solang to be compatible with Solidity's compiler, it, it, but we would want the other way around, right? We would want everything that Solidity currently has to be supported um, with Solang. Is that yes? Right? Yeah, I mean, but we 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 do our best to to make sure everything that we can do that can work on Solana will work on Solana. Yeah, and you uh, just run their and you just run their test suite, and if something ever changes that you need to, you know, look into and modify, you, that's sim- simple enough um, that you're not too worried about it. Yes, so we, we these two separate tracks. Yes, we we run it in our in our CI, and. Um, yeah, I keep track of of the going ons in 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 their code base, and um, whenever they do a release, I, I make sure that um, that we're up to date. How how often do they do a release? How how often does that happen for <laughs> Solidity? Um, it's it's not done often. It's sort of every four to six months or so they do a release. Um, Are those pretty pretty minor typically? Well, they're they're minor in the sense of that this this usually not many additions to the language um they're doing a lot of one of one of the things that that costs them a lot of time is that um they've implemented their, their optimizations to self themselves so they don't use llvm and um a compiler theory is 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 it's a it's a subject which is hugely complex and papers are still being written about this um every every week really um I go to the LLVM conferences and there's there's always something interesting being discussed. Um, to write LLVM from scratch, it seems to me, it seems like, you know, that's that's not a good idea. It's um, sounds time consuming. Yeah, so that that sort of really kind of slows them down. 
Um, having said that, LLVM doesn't have a can't compile to the EVM um, virtual machine. Hmm. So they, they kind of have to have to either add their own compiler or add an EVM backend to LLVM. Would, if if you were starting, if if you were sort of heading up this that you know the Solidity initiative for Ethereum Foundation, is that is that the approach you would take, um, making LLVM compatible with EVM rather than rather than rewriting LLVM, or do you think given you know the trade offs, they've they've done what you would do? Well, they're, they're, um, one of the paths I've I've, I've sometimes wondered about is, um, um, is is adding an EVM target to Solang uh, and, and kind of compete head-to-head with, with, with um, Salt-C. Um, oh, that's in, that's interesting. That's, ew, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's something that's, that's a soft, sort of back of my mind and something to, I'd, I'd really like to work on. Um, I just don't have the time for that. Um, so I do wonder how would I go about that? And... Um, yeah, adding adding support to LLVM would, would definitely be um, the way to do that. There's a um, there was some a project a few years ago. Um, I forget who wrote it, but it, it's somewhere on, on on GitHub where someone started on uh, an EVM backend to LLVM, and um, um, I, I spoke to the, the author a few times. I met him at a conference, and um, yeah, he, he just lost funding. And um, the project sort of never really went anywhere, which is a real shame because if someone wrote an EVM backend to LLVM, then it would be very easy to add EVM support to, to um, Solang and then you compete head-to-head with with, um, um, with Salt-C, which would be very interesting. Having said that, I, I think BPF is, is, a, is a much nicer instruction set. I, I think it's, um, it's much nicer design and you you would never get the same speed with an EVM chain as you could get with Solana. So, you know, the, the ecosystem is is very much EVM centric. Um, but I, I the way I see it, I think the the future for sort of massively parallel transaction machines is is not in EVM, um, unless you are, start doing doing rollups or things like that. Yeah. Are are you? I, I mean, this is maybe a bit of a di- divergence in in topic um, from Solang specifically, but just given your your background working with sort of an EVM based chain for for so many years, and then now you know, and then and then also working with with Polkadot, and then um, you know now Solana, I I, w- I feel like I would be missing an opportunity if I didn't sort of ask you. Uh, what what you think matters most in in blockchain technology, and what you think is is going to what you think the future of of blockchain technology really really looks like? Well, I, I'm very much focused on the um, the virtual machine and the compiler part, uh, and that's that's um, that's very much been my focus and. Um, I kind of feel like I can only speak about those parts. Um, having having said that, um, I've, I think um, um, as virtual machines go, Solana has 
um, has a very good design. Um, and there's a version two coming out, um, being worked on the program runtime V2. And that has um, actually some very, um, very good optimizations, which, which um, I actually feel quite novel um, and I hadn't really thought about them until someone started working on them. So normally when one contract costs another contract, you have to create a new VM and kind of, and then you have to switch to the new contract and new VM. And then once that contract is done, that, that virtual machine gets, gets torn down and gets cleaned up. And then the result gets returned to the, the calling contract. So we program V2, program runtime V2, the whole of the smaller um, runtime is, is essentially one VM. So one contract can call another and it's all in the same VM. So there's no teardown set up and so on. Yeah. And it's, it's sounds significantly more performant. Yeah. It's significantly more performance. Yes. Um, so uh, as far as I can see, um, yeah, I was, I'm very excited about this and this is, um, as far as I know, this is the best you can do with a, with a virtual machine. Um, so Solana work on, on the LLVM backend for, for SBF. Um, and um, yeah, that makes it possible to write all these languages. So this is what I'm excited about. That kind of toys a, another question I have of of not, not only are you trying to maintain more or less feature parity with the Solidity language, but you're also trying to maintain some amount of parity in whatever that means with Solana, period, whether that's the current runtime implementation or runtime V2. How does Solang get affected by the changes of the underlying like blockchain of Solana in, in the runtime. Cause like as changes go and get implemented and validators actually roll out those updated versions of the validator client, naturally things change. How does that, how do those changes actually affect Solang and, and how the Solidity code gets compiled down? Is it, is it just as simple and as straightforward as some changes will be, more or less not affected and other changes, more complex ones that the Solang compiler will have to change to like support those new features or the new, the new changes, whatever those are within Solana as a, as a blockchain. A lot of the features on, on Solana don't really affect the, uh, the, the, the program runtime. Most of the features are sort of, um, optimizations are, are outside of the virtual machine. So, um, Luckily, we're, we're, we're mostly isolated. It's more f- features like um, SBL token uh, 22 or so, or 2022. Um, and then we have to make sure that you can use a new token program um, from Solidity. Or, or um, um, yeah, so to- the program Runtime V2 is, 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 a, is a big feature and that will definitely affect us. Um, I am. Both excited about it. I'm worried about the amount of time it's going to cost to implement it. Sure. Um, Fair enough. Yes. But on the whole, um, the amount of change we need to do to do to Solana changing has been has been quite limited and been quite manageable. That sounds that sounds like okay, uh, cool. good architecture then, right? Yeah. If, if they're able to make weird big changes without it uh, causing you too much headache. Yes. Also for the changes that have been. Um, Solana maintains the, the LLVM 
uh, backend for for um, for BPF and SPF. So I just update the compiler toolkit and um, everything works again. Nice, nice. What, I love it. Um, what are the modifications that you've had to make to Solidity in order to? So yeah, maybe I'm gonna roll back that question real quick. From from the perspective of of the of a Solidity developer, um, right? So so the developer experience. I'm on Solidity. I would like to make a contract work on Solana using Solang. What are what are the additional features that I'm not currently aware of as a traditional Solidity developer that are added that I sort of have to familiarize myself with in order to get this contract up and running on Solana? Yeah, so that there are there are a few things which which are are different. Writing in in city language doesn't kind of it doesn't isolate you from the fact that that's not it. It's, uh, it just works very differently. One big difference is when you um, Solana is designed to be a, a, a parallel virtual machine, so many many contracts can execute in the validator at the same time. And the way this works is that uh, that the execution engine knows which contracts are going to be used in the transaction. So if if two transactions happen at the same time and they don't touch the same contracts, they can run in parallel. So that makes makes it much much faster. Um, this means that you need to provide the accounts which are needed for for a um, for a transaction. So, in client code, you need to you need to pass in a list of transact of the accounts which are going to be required for the transaction. And when one contract calls another, um, there's an accounts call argument where you specify the list of, of accounts which you're going to need. Um, so, there's that. There's um, there's things which are easier on Solana. So on 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 EVM or Ethereum, if you want to upgrade the contract, then you usually have like a, a proxy contract, which then uh, gets redirected to a new version when the when the contract gets upgraded, and that's not really necessary on Solana because you can upgrade con- uh, program code. Um, that's just a feature of the, of the of the of the of Solana itself. So you can just update it with some client with 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 the command line tools. Um, so the whole upgrade path, um, which uses contract uh, uses the proxy contracts, is is unnecessary. Also, it usually uses um, a feature called delegate call, which which is not a feature which um, works on on Solana. So all that code will kind of have to be removed and replaced with, with simpler code, but it's still a change. Um, there's um, if you want to interact with tokens, then on Solana you can use SPL token, and SPL token is 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 isn't very different from ERC twenty. So code will have to be updated to to use SPL token um, calls rather than uh, ERC twenty calls. They're, they're very similar, but because they they're on Solana, they they need lists of accounts, so those will have to be provided. Got I think. It. Got it. So, so it's, I mean, obviously in this, this I think is sort of self-evident to anyone who's done Solana development, but maybe isn't self-evident to uh, someone coming from EVM. You, even though you're using Solidity, you're still writing code. You still have to write code within the Solana programming model. 
It's, yep. is, is basically what you're describing, um, which means you, in order to reap the benefits of, of um, Solana's architecture that allows for transaction parallelization, you have to pass in a list of the accounts that you're going to interact with and the contracts that you're going, that are going to be called. And that is very different. That is a very different mental model than what exists on EVM. EVM, your, your EVM model is a lot more just like, honestly, writing a contract feels a lot like just writing a class, right? I, I write a class, I do my stuff inside that class. Uh, it's fairly contained. I don't worry about what happens outside of this. Uh, all, all, all good. Whereas in order to reap the benefits of, of um, Solana performance, we have to put a little bit more thought into what actually is happening outside of, of this contract, um, what needs to get passed into it, what's what's going to be used in order for uh, validators to run those transactions in in parallel. So I guess what I'd say to any listeners uh, who who maybe are traditional Solidity developers who are interested in, in working with uh, Solana, you, you'll still have to learn the Solana programming model. Uh, mm-hmm. You can do it with the language you're familiar with, which is awesome. But uh, you you still need to understand a little bit about how this machine works. Absolutely, and on if if you're if you're writing Solidity for for the EVM, oh well, then you're also you're also sort of explicitly implicitly aware of how EVM works. Yes. Um, so you kind of have to kind of switch that out and replace that with with understanding of how how Solana works. Yeah. There, I feel like they're implicitly aware is more likely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, on, honestly, that's that's uh, that is a pro and con. I think of of EVM is there is like for simple contracts, it is I think quite easy to get up and running for someone who's not done contract smart contract development before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it, it it feels fairly intuitive, and you don't really have to worry about what's what's happening. Uh, it just kind of works, but. Once you get past even the most basic of contracts, uh, you start to run into issues with with optimization and not sort of understanding security risks of of certain things that that you're doing. A lot of a lot of the you have to explicitly know what's happening with the Solana programming model. While it is an upfront hurdle, it it uh, is then much easier for you to sort of grow from there and, and do more complex things without running into issues because you already understand what's working, what's happening under the hood. I found that while with Solidity EVM, um, it was very easy for me to write my first couple of smart contracts. The, 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 the hurdle from sort of beginner to intermediate was, was, was then quite large. Whereas that hurdle on Solana is, is kind of front loaded a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, I, totally I don't know, Sean, if that matches sort of your your experience, but but that was that was certainly my experience writing Solidity contracts for for you know Ethereum and and Polygon, and then uh, and then learning Solana and being like, oh, this is this is very very different. I I can't just one to one map my mental model of of Ethereum over over to Solana. Yes, uh, I agree. It it also took me some time to to understand the um, Solana uh, VM. Um, I'm glad I did because uh, it's 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 a um, it's a unique but also a, a very well designed way of doing things, and it's it's um, 
I think it's worth worth knowing about. Do do you um, do you see a future where some of this, some of the explicit you know passing in of accounts and that sort of thing, is is ever abstracted away a bit more from from the developer, um, somewhat like what happens now with it, it within Anchor, right? Anchor Anchor currently has features that can allow for accounts to be resolved for you so that you don't, you know, if there's 15 accounts required for an instruction, maybe you only have to explicitly provide three and anchor sort of resolves the rest because they can, they can be, uh, they're, they're more or less implied. Uh, do you ever, do you ever, do you see a system where that exists, but rather than it being an anchor thing, it's actually embedded into um, the Solana programming model? Yeah. The, the runtime is, 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 designed to be uh, for speed so so things which can be kind of front loaded and and um have um it makes sense for the runtime to, to to not have to do these things because that would affect the execution speed um having said that i have wondered about whether you can kind of um you could you could sort of um, what's the word? Um, optimistically uh, execute where you where you just go. Uh, you start executing a transaction, and if you need another account, then it just gets added into the transaction, and then um, you don't need to specify them up ahead. Uh, the only problem then is um, a traditional database deadlock, where um, so say. You know, so you have a transaction and you don't specify the accounts, it just uses whatever accounts it needs. So then it, it first uh, say you need account A and then later you decide, oh, I need account B. So you, you've locked account A, now you've gone on to account B. Now if another transaction uh, was happening at the same time that had locked B already, but I wanted to lock A, then we have a traditional deadlock. And um, yeah, we'd have to roll back the transaction and, and, and retry. Um, not only that, you, the, the, the execution engine would have to um, detect these deadlocks. And that there's, there's great ways of doing this, so it is possible. I, um, yeah, I, I, I hope one day we can implement this because I've, it is a pain point having to specify the transactions and it, it would improve the developer experience. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think I mean, though, there's for always that specific a thing, though, like it runs into the fact of if the if the runtime doesn't know ahead of time which accounts that it needs to write lock because reads are fine it can you know read read everything fine without without problems but for write locks if it write locks one account and then starts com doing some computation you're you're utilizing compute on the validator but then the validator doesn't yet know if that transaction is going to be like successful because maybe it gets three steps in of processing whatever whatever code it's trying to execute and then it, it realizes oh wait i need this other account that wasn't passed into me i need to write like that one that it's like okay well now i have to roll back all that processing that i've already done and then redo it so it just it just seems like that 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 model would just result in additional compute and for for no gain yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I, I mostly, I, I mostly ask the question cause I am, I am, 
I'm always curious about trying yeah, seeing sure. if we is seeing if we can have the best of both worlds, right? Um, I like I, I I certainly can see the the logic there, Nick. Um, but I also don't want to assume that because I can't find a way to make it work, nobody can. So, right? Uh, there are much smarter people than myself out there, uh, like Sean, who are who are building great things that I then can can sort of use to to you know build build stuff right um well well look we can i i think i think this is probably a great a great place to wrap up i sean i have so appreciated digging in uh to compilers a little bit with you i i am not that low level of of a developer i do my best to understand from afar uh you know i i always i i do quite a bit of uh developer education. And, and what I always try to tell students is, uh, you know, you don't necessarily need to know something five, five levels deeper than where you're going to be developing. But I do think you need to know how things work two levels deeper, right? So, you know, if you're just sort of doing a UI layer of, of something, you should understand how things work two levels below that, because inevitably, you're going to run into hiccups, where you have to kind of dip down uh, into something that you're you would maybe otherwise be less familiar with and you'll be far more effective uh, if, if you can understand it. So even for the developers out there who are not working on compilers, I think this sort of conversation and, and sort of discussion around, uh, you know, how can you make a language compatible with, with the Solana EVM or sorry, the Solana VM um, would, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's greatly beneficial even for those who aren't working maybe directly with the Solana runtime and, and that sort of thing. So Thank you so much for, you know, sharing your, your knowledge with us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Sean. Thank you very much for, for having me. It's um, yeah, it's been great um, talking about um, something something we've been working on for for many years now, and um, yeah, I, I look forward to um, hearing what people think and trying it out and seeing how how uh, how they get on. Um, it's it's awesome. yeah, I've, I've been working on it a few years and. Um, Although it is nice working compilers, what you really want is people to use your software. So um, now, we're, <laughs> well, now we're getting to the point where, where this is now happening. So it's it's a um, it's it's um, it's a great time, really. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, and and naturally, we'll have a bunch of links in the show notes of uh, a like some getting started guides on Solang itself and the Solang documentation, as well as the repo because we love open source software. So awesome. if you're if you're listening and you're interested in Solidity as a programming language or or how to use Solidity on Solana, then definitely check those out. Great. Well, thanks again, Sean. Uh, to the listeners, we'll see you all next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you.